Yo, yo, welcome, welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks and I'm your host and you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on all social media platforms. And today we're going to be discussing 2024 and how to get prepared for it. So it's somewhat of a continuation of a previous podcast that I went into discussing how to govern your affairs. So as we wrap up this year, I just want to touch a few more points in that kind of thematic space. And the reason why 2024 is going to be important is because we should expect a good number of tumultuous events to occur. And the reason I say that is twofold. One, because as you can see the year wrapping up here, we are certainly in the midst of two global wars, the Middle East war, of course, and the Ukrainian war. So, you know, as I speak right now, President Zelensky of Ukraine is in Washington meeting with Joe Biden, trying to get some more money to continue a losing war. And it's inevitable he's going to lose. And unfortunately, you know, Americans are starting to see that maybe it was an ill-advised kind of move to engage in a sustained warfare with Russia and, you know, just kind of understand that without our support, it's it's game over. OK, and effectively, Russia has gone back the land that they wanted in the beginning. And really, these two years of Ukrainians kind of fighting against the big bully that is Russia, Putin, and nobody's endorsing his you know, invasion of Ukraine. But we have to go all the way back again and look at the agreements that were made during the Obama administration and the puppet you know, ministers and leaders that were put in place. Yats is our guys, a famous quote from Victoria Nuland, who was the U.S. State Department's uh, there during the Obama administration when there was a coup d'etat. And we all know Ukraine is really a difficult country in terms of the corruption scandals have been up the wazoo. So, but I don't want to get into the weeds of that conversation. It's just an illustration that geopolitics has implications here nationally. And at some point they will infiltrate our kind of day-to-day movements and understandings of our domestic policy, for example. So I do want to get into this idea of preparing yourself for 2024, because like I said, we have two wars going on and they'll probably you know, trickle into 2024. And so as an individual, I think it's really important to start thinking about how to best govern your affairs and think about how to prepare yourself for what will be a very difficult year. Remember, it was former Secretary of Homeland Security that said basically on, on her retirement, and this is Janet Napolitano, said during her retirement that, you know, we should prepare for a crisis that will hit the United States and maybe the world that, you know, is unprecedented. So we're not necessarily sure if she's referring to a cyber crisis or a space invasion crisis, but, you know, she's somewhat in the know. You know, we have advanced technologies that most Americans are unaware of, including yours truly here. And so, you know, these guys have intel on a whole range of issues in, in this planetary space. You know, there's thousands of, of satellites up there. And if one or two of them were to crash, for example, the amount of debris that would be released in the atmosphere would be dangerous for the other satellites because they're all kind of located in the same region. So we're, we're on the verge of something pretty big in the next year or so. But it's not a time to kind of be afraid. I think if your spiritual house is in order, number one, that should give you some solace, some significant solace. And so I recommend that should be the first place in 2024 that people should be trying to kind of improve their lives. And what does that entail? Well, for me, you know, I try and go to bed at a decent hour, maybe like 1030 and 10 o'clock if I can sometimes. And the reason I do that is that because I tend to wake up right around 334 a.m. in the morning, at which point I invariably listen to scripture, right? So I'm going through various by 
Bible chapters and, and listening to the word when I wake up and internalizing those words and trying to apply them into my life. Of course, you know, it's, it's not very easy sometimes to apply all these important lessons that we learn about in scripture, but at least it gives us some kind of motivation to keep going on. And more importantly for me, scripture is so important when you look at it from a prophetic standpoint, knowing that, you know, there is there is an expiration date for sin in this world and for hurt and pain. And so I encourage the listener here to kind of create some kind of spiritual plan and look into how they can develop more meaningful relationship with God and perhaps spend less time listening to pundits and, and people on social media and all these random places that we get information for the most part. So spiritual upliftment and Having a relationship with God, learning about your savior is, is going to be extremely useful for you to kind of get you through the difficult time periods that are coming up here. The other thing is just taking care of your health, right? So like I said, I'm trying to start sleeping a little bit earlier and really trying to get some REM sleep, some really good sleep. And we're finding out from studies that having a great night's sleep is really important and not just one night, like consistently having good nights of rest is extremely beneficial to one's health. And as a result, you perform better during the day, you're more alert, and it actually slows down aging. Um, and we've heard, you know, Dr. Erberman, who's been hitting the rounds on YouTube, who's really a big proponent on sleep therapies. So that's really important to think about how you can improve your health from that perspective and just learning more home remedies, how to deal with issues that come up within your house that, you know, maybe you don't necessarily have to go to the ER every time you have an emergency that you can manage. For example, I injured my back a few weeks ago. I kind of was bending to get something on the floor and I sneezed at the same time. And all I heard was a little crack and it was painful. I mean, I stopped in my tracks. Thank God it was a weekend, but I had to stop everything I was doing and just kind of try and get myself on my bed and lay down and just kind of massage my back. And here's where, you know, having a partner is, is going to be useful for people to think about in addition, but I'll get into that in a little bit. But I was able to kind of recuperate at home and I used home remedies. I used hot and cold compressions. I used various herbs and massages that I could do on my own. And I was tempted to go to the ER, but, you know, I said, it might take a few more days for me to get fully back on track, but I have to learn how to heal, heal myself or let my body heal myself. Because the idea of disease, and we've read this and research is coming out saying that disease basically is a condition of the body expressing itself, stating that it lacks something. So in, in my position, you know, it wasn't you know a cracked back or anything major, but it was certainly painful and possibly an indication that I'm lacking in maybe water and perhaps some key minerals and nutrients, calcium, vitamin D, a acid. These are some of the things that we should be keeping tabs on to, to ensure that we're in good health. And water is so important in terms of drinking it, but also using it to deal with some of these issues such as back pains, like the hot and cold compressions were extremely useful to my healing. And I highly encourage people to look at the more naturalistic way of dealing with diseases. I had another disease earlier this year, which I won't get into, but it was not an ideal thing to kind of deal with. And I tried to do the home remedy thing with this one. I really tried. I held out for two weeks, but I just couldn't get over the hump. And I needed to kind of learn what the remedy, the home remedy could be for that. And I think in retrospect, now I have a sense of what I could have done. I think we should always have things like charcoal in the house, which is activated charcoal, which can be ingested, but can also be used as a poultice. We should have you know, you can use potato poultices, you can use numerous types of kind of poultices, mitigate pains internal and to clamp down on poisons internal. Now, of course, when things hit the fan, like for me, when it did, I had to go and get antibiotics, but highly encourage 
folks to try and give their body the condition it needs to heal itself and get the books that kind of show you how to do this. One book I would recommend is Barbara O'Neill's self-healing book. And she's an Australian naturopathic speaker. And she cites a whole range of professionals and kind of backs up her whole analysis and adds to that a Christian purview to the whole thing. But her self-healing book is really good. I think it's been sold out for a few months here, but I'm hoping that they'll have some new editions out because once the word got out that she had this self-healing book, a lot of people went out and bought the book. Yeah, because what we're going to find is that the healthcare system actually doesn't help us heal. It hides the crisis that we're dealing with. And over time, those kind of issues reappear and thus we are not fully healed. And then you have to consider that as we have all these crises happening, there's going to be a time that we need to kind of depend on our own resources. Perhaps it's medical home remedies and resources, or maybe, you know, food, you know, canned beans or stored rice deposits somewhere. We're just going to have to be self-reliant in many ways. Okay. So that's the health tip. I think moving on to relationships, because I brought it up, you want to find someone who you can really be supportive with in terms of a mutual support system insofar as when you know you have back pains like i did you have someone who can support you and help you get back on track right so i think it's really important to have a partner who you can trust who you can pray with who you can depend on who can look out for you and make you a nice tomato based soup if you need it just to recover and to just kind of feel good because part of the healing process is just less stress a lot of the issues that we have are stress induced therefore having someone who can alleviate that stress is extremely important but unfortunately in this day and age, most relationships, the person that you're with actually exacerbates the stress. So that tends to be a concern that folks are dealing with on a personal level, especially men who often can't really express their turmoil because, dude, you're a man. Like, what are you talking about? So finding the right partner is going to be extremely crucial for folks in this coming year, 2024, and someone who you can really like brainstorm with and grow with. And I think that should be a major priority, especially if you're thinking about marriage. That should be a really important priority for for folks to make. And millennials specifically encourage you to maybe take a visit to your girlfriend's house and meet the family and perhaps have them do the same. I think our family members often might be a good judge of character, at least without the bias. And you can tell them, like, don't be biased. Like, what did you think about them when they came over for Thanksgiving dinner? And just be honest about what you can kind of take in the relationship and what are some of the places that you need to make changes so that, you know, your future partner or partner can actually condone and be able to be comfortable with your gripes and your shortcomings, because we all have those things, right? And this modernist idea that our partners are going to be perfect is just ridiculous. And so you have to manage expectations. I think if you have similar values, that should be a governing principle for how you move forward in the relationship. And I will be opening up counseling sessions on my website, youngpilgrimtrust.com. If you want to get a 30 minute appointment to kind of talk about things, ideas that you have in regard to relationships, the things we'll be talking about here today, certainly reach out. The other thing I want to get into is the financial aspect of 2024. So we're definitely moving towards the CBDCs, which is the central bank digital currency system. That's going to be launched quite soon here because, you know, the monetary system in the U.S. has come 
to a, a halt, basically. In other words, the interest rates are extremely high to get mortgages, loans, auto loans, student loans, all kind of loans. And therefore, the money circulation in the system has kind of come to a screeching halt. And inflation is still extremely high, even if we're seeing gas prices come down just a tad. I think that's very political for some reason. Ultimately, we are going to see a recession in the next year or so insofar as the money system is just not working correctly. You know, so this might be more of a global issue, but it's more than likely going to hit the United States citizens as well if we don't kind of anticipate the rising costs of goods and services in addition to, you know, just facilitating loans and that sort of thing. If people can get loans, then we are really in a tough position. And, you know, there's legislation for tax policy reforms in terms of qualified profits. Should they be taxed? Unrealized profits, should they be taxed? So there's all these questions and even donor funded are in excess of what they used to be in terms of a lot of these corporations are just parking their money in private companies and getting a tax break for it. And it's just not right. And people are hurting because they have no access to the greater economy and all the money has gone up to the top. Yet all the people in the middle class are being taxed for having a paycheck, for example, at a higher level than the CEO of Amazon, for instance. So it's a really tough time and will continue getting tougher. So perhaps thinking about diversifying, really diversifying the way you think about your financial investments. Bitcoin is definitely on the rise, although I wouldn't put all my coins in cryptocurrency because there's still a lot of moving parts with the CEO of Binance being being indicted and he has to pay over a billion dollars in fines. It's getting crazy in the crypto world. But I think one thing's for sure is that blockchain technology is here to stay. So you'll do well if you find the right place to park your money during this transition. The concern here is that the feds don't want competition. And therefore, if they will have competition, they want to control it. So where would they be able to have some kind of controlling mechanism for the rise and inevitable growth of cryptocurrency? We'll have to look at the SEC. We'll have to look at some of these legal cases to get a full scope of what the end goal looks like, but it's not going to be pretty. I wouldn't necessarily say that Bitcoin is a 100% goal, but it's certainly a place to look into for investments because the ETFs, index funds, all that stuff is extremely sketchy, highly leveraged. You know, the notional value of these derivatives is in the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And anything can kind of trigger a downturn in one's portfolio. Your 401k could go down any moment. If a bank goes belly up, it could trigger a massive loss in terms of some of these portfolios and institutional and retail investors would be hurt. But that's a speculation. Obviously, I do think there is some kind of precedence for it. So I would encourage young people to be more circumspect about how they spend and invest their money. Get a plot of land, get a farm place, get a farm and just kind of a two acre farm somewhere and hold on to that. Maybe just start building on it over time slowly. And that could be your investment. It's something tangible and it has your name on it or better yet, your trust's name on it. You want to try and avoid having things in your name and kind of transferring ownership to trust and that sort of thing just to mitigate your exposure to taxes, for example, but also to just maintain your privacy as as a right, as a constitutional right. You know, folks don't have to know exactly what you're doing all the time. And this is how the wealthy Americans kind of live. There's a great story when the Kennedys, I think it was Ted Kennedy, was being sued 
when he had an accident and someone who was in the car died and they were trying to kind of sue the family or sue him and he basically didn't have anything registered in his name it was all in the kennedy like family trust and therefore they were really unable to break in and take him for what he has so just being smart about investments will be extremely helpful and useful for you in the new year i guess the last thing i want to say is because we've talked about the financial aspect of things spiritual and the health-based things that one can do to improve their welfare in 2024 you know physically i just think just be active definitely drink lots of water take lots of walks when you can you don't have to necessarily park right next to the doorway of the walmart and just be able to be physically strong enough to do things and physically able to kind of move around and help people. And I think wrapping things up here, the idea is just to be able to not necessarily just look at things from your perspective, but from a local perspective. How can you as an individual be of good courage to yourself, your family and your local community? I think if you can look at the role that you play in your community and find ways to give back, then you should be in good shape because when things hit the fan, you'll have you know neighbors who can also support you as well. So community, being physically active, being supportive to people around your neighborhood or your community is definitely something one should consider doing in 2024. So I'm going to stop there and just kind of encourage folks again to just go through their whole kind of itinerary of things that need to be done in 2024 and just start planning between now and the new year what you can actually get done day one. January 1st, because it's going to be a rough 2024, no question. It's just a matter of how you situate yourself and how you regulate your emotions because you've planned ahead. And therefore, if you have any questions, I encourage you to reach out and thank you for your time again until the next one. That's the pod. Yo, yo, welcome. Welcome to the millennials podcast my name is meeks you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on instagram we're gonna be discussing everything that implicates young people today so thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy